One of the joys of partnerships is that kind of love and knowledge and relationships. Just on Friday, our partner from Kenya called me, Joel, and he said, uh, it is so good to hear your voice. He said, we pray for you. Isn't that neat that a group of 31 children and mamas and Joel pray for us? They're partners here. When you were younger, did you ever hear an adult or parent say to you, don't make me repeat myself? Whenever I heard that, I knew I really needed to pay attention. And just a word of advice, if you ever use that phrase, don't make me repeat myself, it's really helpful if you say that right before you say what you don't want to say again. Because there's a really good chance that if you say it after you say what you want me to remember, I didn't hear you. And now I'm too scared to ask you to repeat it. There's a few things that uh, we, ways that we remember what's important. Another way is also when someone repeats it a lot. And Jesus repeats a few things in Scripture, and they let us know it's really important. One of those is about loving God and others immensely. And in the Gospel of John, there's a truth that's communicated nearly 60 times. Now, I'm going to tell you what that is. Don't make me repeat myself. In the Gospel of John, it says the words send or sent nearly 60 times. The majority of uses are in reference to the title of God as the one who sins or in reference to Jesus, who is the one that is sent. And all through the Gospel of John, we see the story of God the Father sending the Son and God and the Son sending the Spirit and God the Son and the Spirit sending the church. And in the climactic passage, sending passage at the end of John, Jesus says, not only am I the one who is sent, but I'm also the one who is sending now. In John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, Just as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. The church is a called and sent group of people. A people who are called and sent to participate in God's redemptive mission in the world. This mission is not just an aspect of the church, or an add-on program. It's the heartbeat. And this mission is not just for a few people. It's a mandate for all followers of Jesus. I want to share this quote that I think says it best. It is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world a big difference in those two statements. We are a tool. We are used for his mission. Now, the early church got this. They really understood what it meant to love and to serve well. And even though they were persecuted and that they had a whole government that was against them, uh, they still flourished during those early days. And one of the main reasons they did that is because they loved God and others well. One of the things that helped in that early time of the church was the fact that there were several really severe plagues in Rome, devastating plagues. There were nearly 5,000 corpses that were taken from homes and put out in the streets of Rome each day during this time. People were basically just dying right and left. And the way that the Christians responded during that whole ordeal was one of the leading factors that helped the church grow. Grew, grow during those early years. Here's a letter from the Bishop of Alexandria that I wanted to share with you. He said, Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty. 
never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. The heathens behaved in the very opposite way. At the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were even dead and treating unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread of the contagion of the fatal disease. He's basically saying that when people got so sick with this disease and it was pretty much a sure thing they were going to die, they would toss them out in the street, their own family, so as not to endanger themselves. When that happened, the Christians were the ones who went to the street, got these people, and tended to them, either helping nurse them back to health or giving them dignity as they, they died, the whole time putting themselves at risk of death. The bishop was saying that it was because of this response, this care, this love, that had such an impact on the early church in spreading the news about God's love. Now, a couple of emperors after Emperor Constantine. You're getting a little church history for free this morning. Uh, there was another emperor named Julian. And Emperor Julian didn't really like Christianity, and he didn't like how it was flourishing. So he decided that he would try and reintroduce paganism again, hopefully converting Christians to that and improving the Roman Empire. Uh, and it just wasn't working really well. He even paid some people to be pagan priests. And still, the Christians had such a foothold and in that area. And here's what that guy, that emperor, said about it. Recent Christian growth is caused by their moral character, even if pretended. I mean, he couldn't even believe that it was legit. Like, they loved God so much and it would make people love. He's like, even if they're pretending, um, and by their benevolence towards strangers. I think that when the poor happened to be neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, the impious Galileans observed this and they devoted themselves to benevolence. The impious Galileans not only supported their poor, but ours as well. Welcoming, welcoming them into Gape, they attract them as children are attracted with cakes. Uh, he obviously doesn't think very much of Christianity or the motives, but he's saying regardless, their care, their benevolent care, their service and love is something we cannot fight. I cannot get paganism going because they love too well. They serve so well. I think it's interesting to note that nearly 1,600 years later, when you poll people about what they think about Christianity, what they say about the church, what do you think about Christians, typically the responses that we hear are they're really vindictive, they are petty, they are judgmental. And if you poll people 1,600 years ago, they would say those people are the ones who loved recklessly. They were the people that waded into danger at the risk of their own lives to help people. They were the people that courageously obeyed God and understood that they were a sent people. So my question, and the question that many of us have already asked this morning, is how do we become that reckless love people again? You saw so many testimonies of it already this morning. How do we change that perception that the church truly is a sent people that is motivated and devoted to love and service. I believe it happens in the same way it did in the early church, in that we courageously obey God and we go. We go to our neighbors, our co-workers. We go to our communities, to our nation, to our world, and we love and serve recklessly. So this morning, a challenge for you and for me, let's be brave. 
let's move from the sidelines in our life and get into the mess with people in our personal spaces, our world around us, our neighbors, our coworkers. Let's continue to actively partner with people around the world who are committed to wading into the hurt and heartache of the communities where God has placed them. Let's find a way to recklessly love and serve others. So do something. Go somewhere. Invest in someone that makes you really uncomfortable. Because in that uncomfortableness, you learn to trust God. And you experience his faithfulness to be sufficient for every need that you could have. So let's be brave together. And let's be the church that's called and sent. We pray with me this morning. God, we thank you so much for what you are doing, how you are at work in the world, that you have a mission to bring the world back to you, to bring us back into relationship, to heal brokenness. And we're humbled that you invite us to be a part of that. But God, help us to remember that we, it's not a wait and let them come to us. You are a sending God. You are a missionary God. And just as you sent the Son, you send us out, taking your love, your grace, our stories of what you've done for us, and sharing those in words and in actions. Father, this morning we pray for our mission partners all around the world and in our community. And we pray that you will give clarity to us about how we can move to action, how we can get involved, how we can go. In your name we pray. Amen.